Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at one verse here briefly, just for a moment, real quick here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As I mentioned already, as we got ready to start tonight, we are talking about the gifts of God and why we need them. And these gifts relate to actually all aspects of the gifts that we have from our God. So they include gifts from the Father, they include gifts from the Son, and they include gifts from the Holy Spirit. Most of the time when you talk about the gifts of God, everybody thinks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the, all three of the Godhead actually have given to us the body gifts. We need to know these gifts. We need to understand these gifts and realize God has given us these gifts. Now, he's given us these gifts to help us. He's also given us these gifts, as we'll see, to help others. So we need to understand these gifts and how they clearly function in our life, how significant they are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it says here, uh, concerning spiritual gifts. Now, you'll notice the phrase in the context of this verse, gifts is italicized. So it actually wasn't in the original. But it is referring, as you read further down into this chapter, it actually is referring to that. So the English translators really did not do an injustice here in adding the italicized word gifts in there because in truth, as you read through the chapter, you'll find out that's, that's exactly what it's referring to. So it actually has an, uh, a help here in this first verse of adding it into that verse. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, say that would be us. So we clearly know he's, knows he's talking about born-again believers. Underline this, please. I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. So that means you and I are supposed to understand all these gifts of God that we've been given. We are not to be ignorant of them. How many understand the difference between stupidity and ignorance? We've talked about it many, many times. But stupidity means I know what I should know. I just choose to not function in it, operate in it, do it, whatever. That's stupid. But ignorance means I don't know. So what he's saying is you and I are not supposed to be ignorant or not know about the gifts that God gave us. You know, I mean, you think about it, even relationship to the natural. If somebody gives you a gift that they really took the time to think about what to give you, if they did so, obviously they didn't give you something they just wanted you to put on a shelf somewhere or hide in a closet. If they really thought about it, knew it was something you could use, they gave you something useful. Amen? I tell people all the time in today's times, you'd be better off for most people give them a gift card that you know is something they would spend rather than some little trinket thing that they probably wouldn't need and it would wind up in a closet somewhere. But God didn't give us trinket gifts. He gave us vital gifts, important gifts. He does not want us to have them sitting on a shelf idle. He wants us to actually take advantage of these gifts to help us and to help others. So on your notes there, under the gifts of God and why we need them, the Lord does not want us to be ignorant about these spiritual things, these spiritual gifts. So we're going to just do a brief overview because, again, these classes are not designed to go into in-depth teaching about every subject. It's to give you all these verses. If you understand why we're giving you notes for these classes, it's because in truth, you could take these notes and teach on this for weeks. 
But that's not what these classes are designed to do. How many knows a good believer, you're supposed to go learn to study to show yourself approved? So what you have is, you have a whole list of notes and scriptures and stuff to go by that you can clearly not only hang on to and learn more from, but even study further. On your notes, number one, as we walk through these beginning opening statements here, number one, one must realize that there are numerous gifts from God as well as diverse kinds of gifts. Many different gifts and very diverse in these gifts actual uh, help in our work in our life and what they do. Number two, in this session tonight, all the gifts of God will be noted. So we will cover every one of them. All the gifts of the Father, gifts of the Son, gifts of the Holy Spirit. They will all be noted. And you'll begin to learn why we need them. Now again, we're not going into detail and teaching on all of them, but we'll just simply touch a little bit on each one of them. Number three, though there are many different gifts given to us by God, it is again the same Holy Spirit who divides them up as He wills. Because even the gifts of the Father, although they came from the Father, we actually uh, partake of these gifts by the help of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that lives in us. All right? Jesus gave, as you know, we'll talk about a little bit tonight, the fivefold ministry gifts. But how did he do that? How did he give me the gift of a pastor to you as the body? Well, the Holy Spirit inside me is the one that enables me to function in that gift. It's a gift of Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit that obviously lives in me to help that gift function. Amen? So... It is the Holy Spirit who divides them as he wills. Meaning what? You cannot say, I want this gift, and therefore I'm going after that gift. It's God who decides what gifts you get. We just simply are thankful for all the gifts, and we look at uh, at utilizing what God has specifically desired to use us in. Amen? Amen? We'll talk more about that as we move on tonight. Number four, I believe that every believer... I believe, this is a statement from Dr. Barclay, I believe that every believer is endowed with the gift the moment they are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's find out. Go to Romans chapter 12, back up from 1 Corinthians here to the book of Romans. Just back up to chapter 12. Every believer when born again, why would they not have it before being born again? Because their spirit is dead. Their spirit is dead. So once they get born again, their spirit now is made brand new. The Holy Spirit comes to live in them. And therefore, at the time of the new birth, every person is given gifts. And or, uh, I mean, he's, you're certainly going to have more than one gift as you're going to see because God wants us functioning in far more than just one of these gifts. But there are some that you'll never have. There's some of these gifts as you'll see you'll never have. Like the fivefold ministry, not everybody's going to be a fivefold ministry gift. So you'll see that as we go through this tonight. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. If you're there, say amen. Amen. For Paul said here by the Holy Spirit to the church at Rome, For I say through the grace given to me. That actual term grace means through the gift. Through the gift given to me. In other words, I'm speaking to you through the gift that God has given to me, which obviously he was called to be an apostle and a teacher of the word of God. I say to you through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of what? Now, understand this. This is not in this context of what we're talking about, the gifts of God. In this aspect of faith, we're going to see a gift of faith, but that's not what this is referring to. He's saying once you're born again, you all have a measure of faith in you to develop and grow. A lot of people say, man, I wish I had the faith of so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. You have the same faith. You just got to develop it. 
They just learn to develop it. So obviously all of us have this aspect of a measure of faith given to us to function in our life once we're born again. But notice this clearly in this statement. He's saying that you should not think more highly than you ought to think. Underline that statement, please. That you would not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. So that statement goes two ways. A lot of people only think of the negative side. Well, you certainly shouldn't think more of yourself, obviously, than you should. You ought to humble yourself. What are you thinking so highly of yourself for? Well, obviously, I shouldn't think of myself above who God says I am. But I shouldn't think think of myself below who God says I am. You should not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You ought to think of yourself highly because God does. If you don't think that God doesn't think of you highly, why did Jesus die for you? Why, was, why did the Bible say that the most valuable thing on the planet ever was spent for you? I would say that makes you pretty valuable to God. Yes. So sadly, most Christians only look at this verse in the negative. You should not. You ought to look at it in the positive. Clearly, God thinks pretty highly of us because otherwise Jesus wouldn't have shed his blood for us. So we shouldn't demean ourselves either. We need to understand the context of what we have as a believer and function in it. Verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members, you might want to underline this, do not have the same function. They do not have the same function. Now, that means we all have a function. Tell your neighbor, you got an unction to function. What do you mean an unction? You have an enablement by the Holy Spirit. You have an enablement to function in the gifts God's given you. But you got to understand what those gifts are and how to function in them. But you got to understand this also as well. We don't all have the same function. We don't all have the same context of giftings or abilities. Five. So, verse five. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually we're members of one another. So in the context of verse four and five, it's important to clearly understand the significance of why we need to know about the different functions we've been given because we are all one body, all these members making up one body. What if all the body's members started functioning in the gifts God gave them? How much stronger would the body be? Much stronger. But see, a lot of people aren't obviously looking at it that way. A lot of people that even go to church, sadly, they come and go from church. They don't ever function in any of the gifts that God's given them inside the church or outside the church. And therefore, they're not really helping strengthen the body. So a way to look at this is, if I'm not functioning in the gift God called me to function in, I am not bringing the strength to the body God wants me to bring. So we got to understand this is also not just about me and you. This is about strengthening the whole body. Verse 6, having then gifts. Underline, Underline those three words, please. Highlight, make a note of that. Having then gifts. Guess what? You have gifts. God has enabled you. We're talking about whether relationship to the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. We do have gifts. Having then gifts differing. We all have different giftings. Now, again, that doesn't mean what you think a gift is. It's talking about the gifts of the Father, Son, or the Holy Spirit. That's the ones he's referring to. So having these gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. In other words, the enablement God gives us to function in those gifts. That's why I said you have an unction to function because you do. Let us do what? Let's use them. Let's use our gifts. Let's find out what they are. Let's find out how they function. Let's use these gifts. So let us use them. If it's prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, the context of prophecy here is not referring to what you think of in relationship to the gifts of the Spirit. 
This is actually talking about those who are gifted or called by God as a, as a minister to speak with fivefold ministry on behalf of God. That's actually, you're going to see that. That's what that's referring to. Verse 7, or ministry. Now, ministry here just means the ability to actually serve as a servant in the house of God, a deacon, usher, etc. So that's what that word ministry is referring to because ministry almost in every place in the Bible is defined as serving or service. So if it's in serving or service, ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Now we're actually going to come back to these if you want to put a marker here, hold your, space, hold your spot here, because when we get to the back here, we're going to come back and look at these in more detail in just a moment. But the point I want to make before you go any further is you need to see two things. Verse 4 and 5 says we clearly are parts of the body, members. We all have a function because, verse 6, we've been given gifts. So we need to recognize what these gifts are. We need to learn how to function in these gifts so we can help bring greater strength to the body. Realize even when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, if all we do is rely on the pastor to function in the gifts of the Spirit in the church, we're going to be a pretty weak church. And we'll talk more about that as we get to those gifts. So number four in your notes, you still with me tonight? Again, I believe that every believer is endowed with the gift the moment they are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. 4A, it is up to the individual believers. This is important for you to listen to. It is up to the individual believers to discern this gifting. Highlight that. Note that. It is up to you as a believer to discern this gifting. Grow in it and serve the body of Christ the rest of their lives with it. Now, there are some of these gifts that you have to have confirmation from leadership that that is true, that you have that gift. There are some of these gifts you'll see that leadership needs to confirm that in your life. Not all of them, but there are some. But it's up to you to figure out and know for sure what gifting I've been given to be able to grow in that gifting and to serve the body because that brings greater strength to the body. I'm going to read it again. For A, it's up to the individual believers. Why don't you read it after me? It is up to the individual believers... To discern this gifting, grow in it, and serve the body of Christ the rest of their lives with it. Think about how many people have sat in church and heard teachings and, and thank God for it and, and you know, learned some aspect of what they have in relationship to, relation, to walking out of relationship with God, but have never functioned in gifts in the body. Tonight, I'm going to tell you through the gifts I'm going to show you, you better find out what your gifts are because you've got them. If you're gonna, and, and guess what? God didn't give you gifts and not going to hold you accountable for them. Right. Amen, Pastor. He gave you gifts because he wants you to use them. Why? Strengthens the body, helps the body. Amen. So realize how many people have never functioned in any of these gifts. Now, real, part of that comes back to what? Ignorance. Some people have never been taught. They, they've probably been in churches where they've been taught, you just sit and hear us preach and you don't do anything else. You just, you know, come and act like a, you know, like a, uh, a zombie, you know, okay, thank you, Pastor. And then just go out and go through the world, come back and zombie yourself again in church. No, you're supposed to function in the gifts God gave you. Right. Help strengthen the body. For B, remember that everything in the kingdom of God comes in seed form. Listen to that. Everything in the kingdom of God comes in seed form and that you must do what? Grow in the things of God. So these gifts are like a seed in you that you have to grow up and, and develop and mature. 
foresee. Though there are similarities of how God uses people, there are also great personal differences. Now, that doesn't mean in principle. Because obviously how gifts function in principle, according to the Bible, that doesn't change. The way he may use people in those areas obviously can. So in context to how God uses you in relationship to where he uses you, etc., that can be different based on the individual, obviously. 4C1, the way God teaches you to yield to his spirit and work with him may be different from how he leads me. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't lead us, as we talked this morning, through our spirit. No, he leads us all through our spirit. How he teaches you to function in that might be different than he leads somebody else as far as how to understand and know God's leading you, but it's always going to line up the same with the word. C2, same spirit, but different gifts and different vessels. Say it, same spirit. Come on, say it. Same spirit, different gifts, different vessels. All right, go to Acts chapter 8. Let's go over to Acts chapter 8 here. Now, we're going to come back. If you want to hold that Romans chapter 12, we will get, come back there in a moment here in just a little bit. But we're going to go over here to Acts chapter 8 for a minute. I want you to see this on your notes. Acts 8, never, ever exert any personal effort. Never, ever exert any personal effort. To flow in a gift that has not been given to you. This could literally cost you everything. So you do not want to try on your own ability to function in a gift that God did not give, that God did not give you. Don't let that scare you from finding out and walking in the gift God has. But you got to know, obviously God gifted me. I should not just be trying to function in another gift that I want because it looks cool or somebody else has it. Now you're going to try to get it in the flesh. And that's not good. I want to be a prophet because I want to prophesy. Well, if God didn't gift you to be a prophet, I'll guarantee you what, you should not try to be one. The Bible says there's a lot of people. Well, I want to be a teacher. I want to be this. I want to be that of a fivefold minister. The Bible says don't desire to become one. Do you hear that? Do you not desire to become a teacher? What? Don't desire to become a teacher. Supposed, supposed to learn my gift? Well, let me help you. Pastor and I were talking about this when he was here. I said, you know, Pastor, I said, almost every genuine pastor I meet in, in, the, in the group that we're in, in, in relationship to pastor, all these pastors I meet, none of them wanted to be a pastor. None of, none of them woke up and said, I want to be a pastor, bless God, and started chasing after a pastor gift. I said, matter of fact, most of them want, didn't want anything to do with pastor. I didn't. Right. Pastor said, neither did I. I told God time and again, choose somebody else. I don't want to do it. Because you know what? It's not an issue of not desiring it in the sense because the Bible says not to. But I guarantee you the Bible's clear. You're going to stand a stricter judgment. And so a lot of people that start coveting something of the fivefold ministry gifts, they're going, they're, all they're going to do is get in trouble because if God didn't gift them to do it, they don't realize how bad they're going to hurt their life and sadly even hurt others. There's a very, very famous minister. I saw, I saw an article uh, by a, a, a solid Christian ministry that, uh, you know, is basically a news type of Christian ministry that does media stuff. It's a Christian post. I think it's called the Christian Post. And there's a very famous minister. That if I told you his name, you'd probably heard of it. I'm not going to tell you his name. I'm not, not who I'm talking about. It's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Who just recently said that it's really sad that all these people who are homosexuals are so mistreated in the body of Christ that God did not give them their ultimate desire. Let me help you. God don't give you any of your desires. 
Wait a minute, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give desires your heart. Yeah, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you what really is his desire for your life. There was no such truth to the fact that God had a desire to cause anybody to be homosexual. So literally what this person is saying is, you know, it's sad to think of how much they still love God, even though uh, God speaks, you know, of them very negatively in the Bible. And yet they still love God because God didn't give them their ultimate desire. What do you mean? He didn't because he didn't make them homosexual. He didn't give them that desire. Well, of course he didn't give them that desire. So if they're still chasing after that desire, they're certainly not chasing after what God wants for their life. Now, I guarantee you what, that minister does not need to be in the pulpit. Now, that person either isn't anointed to be in that pulpit or he is in absolute total error now. If he has been anointed to be in that pulpit, he needs some leadership to deal with him and say, hey, son. (laughs) And this is actually an older gentleman, been around a long time. Acts chapter 8, verse 9. So we want to make sure we're not coveting gifts God didn't give us. Look at this, 9. There was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery. Sorcery. Simon. Say Simon. Simon. Say Simon. Simon. When it says certain man, that's not a parable. It's an actual guy. So there was this guy, Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and he astonished the people. Notice this. He astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. What was he doing? So you already know something about this guy. He wants attention. He he wants to be seen by people. Verse 10, notice, to whom they all gave heed, all the people gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Isn't that interesting? Amongst all those in Samaria, Jews as well, he was actually thought of as somebody who was operating in the power of God. Now, let me help you, folks. If Jews in that day could not discern the difference between what was God and what was not, we got to be very careful that we could be deceived that easily to think that what we're seeing supernatural of its origin, obviously not of the natural, what we might think it's of God. See, everybody just thinks that the supernatural works of Satan is just horrible, destructive, etc. No, he's a deceiver. The Bible even says he has his own ministers of righteousness. Now, they're not right with God. They act like they are. That deceive and mislead people. Verse 11, notice this, they heeded him. This is still going on today. They heeded him. Why? Because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. His magical arts, the things that he did. Twelve. But when they believed Philip. I mean, remember Philip. Powerful evangelist. When they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning, underline it, the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. Look at verse 13. Simon himself also believed. Oh, good. Praise God. Simon gave his life to Jesus. Gave his life to Christ. Got born again. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed. What was he? So this was the guy who was doing supernatural signs and wonders. But he's amazed at what he's seeing happen with Philip, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So thank God. Say thank God. Thank God, verse 13, Simon gets born again. He even gets water baptized, and he starts traveling with Philip, seeing all these signs and wonders that were done. But remember, again, what was Simon wanting? Attention brought to himself. 14. Now, it doesn't mean he's not born again. We Clearly, according to verse 13, he's born again. He believed. He got water baptized. 14. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem, and by the way, just for the record, do you have to be water baptized to be born again? No, it's not what I'm saying. He believed. That's what you do to get born again. But then he even made the commitment to be water baptized. 14. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, what had they done? They 
Receive the word of God. What did they do? They sent Peter and John to them also. Who, notice verse 15, when they had come down and prayed for them, that they might receive what? Now they've already received the word of God. So most scholars will tell you here, receiving the word of God means they're already born again. But they're not baptized in the Holy Ghost. In the book of Acts, clearly we see this over and over again. They separated the understanding of salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit like this. Have you believed? Have you been born again? How do you get born again? you got to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make Him the Lord of your life. Then, in the context of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they would say, have you received the Holy Spirit? Well, they've got Him living in them, but they're, they're referring to the fact they haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see this all through the book of Acts. They believed, but when they say, have you received the Holy Spirit? They're not saying, are you born again? Because they've already been born again. They believe. They're they're referring to, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Has he come upon you? That's how they would use their, their terminology all the time. You see it through the book of Acts. So notice verse 15. When, again, when Peter and John had come down uh, to where they were and prayed for them, they prayed that they might do what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Be what? Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? 16. For as yet he had what fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, if they've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, they've repented of their sin, so they're born again. 17. Notice, they laid hands on them and they received what? Now this is, you're going to see this from an aspect of what happens with Simon here. You're going to see that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. What's the sign all through the Bible, especially book of Acts, New Testament, what's the sign when somebody got baptized in the Holy Spirit? They didn't have to make them. They didn't have to force them. When they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, they just started speaking in tongues. Sometimes even prophesying. Sometimes even prophesying in some of those settings. So notice this, clearly 17, they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. 18, and Simon, remember the guy who was doing the sorceries, got born again, water baptized, traveled with Philip. He's there seeing this go on. Notice, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. What did he do? Offered them money. What's he offering them money for? I want to do that. So in other words, I see God's enabled you to use you in this aspect of what God wants to do to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. There are certain people that are more gifted at getting people in the context baptized in the Holy Spirit than others are. Brother Evans was one. Remember Dr. Evans? I don't think Brother Evans ever came to our church and didn't pray for somebody to get, the Holy, to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, didn't get baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are some people that God just uses more in that area. So Simon sees this, and guess what Simon now wants? Simon's been watching all these miracle signs and wonders, and all of a sudden, guess what? Simon's no longer getting the attention. And now he sees them actually baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. He's like, hey, I want to be able to do that. I'll pay you. What, what can I, how much can I pay you so that I can do this, so I can do what you guys are doing? 19, notice this. He went on saying to them, give me this power also. Another way to say that is, I want this same gifting and enablement of what you're functioning in to be given to me. Like you could buy it. Give me this power also that anyone, anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. First of all, is that true that if I lay hands on anybody, they'll receive the Holy Spirit? No, because if they don't want to receive it, they ain't going to get it. Just like salvation. 
Simon thinks now these guys have this supernatural enablement from God. That whoever they go lay hands on, immediately they're going to get baptized and the Holy Spirit starts speaking in tongues. That's what he's thinking. Which obviously we know different. Notice this, but again, he's ignorant on spiritual things. Verse 20, Peter said to him, look at the words Peter spoke to him. This is a baby Christian now, but notice what Peter said. Your money perish with you. Meaning what? You're going to perish if you don't fix this. Huh? You're going to perish if you don't fix this. May your money perish with you, meaning that you're going to perish if you don't correct this in your heart. And may your money also perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Just to even have the thought that you could take something of a gift of God and somehow get it by purchasing it with money. Look at verse 21. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Underline it. For your heart is not right in the spirit of God. In the, excuse me, in the sight of God. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. He was born again. His intent here. The heart referring here to the soul. As our guys have been taught in our teaching on, uh, on uh, Friday nights, this is not referring to the spirit man. This is referring to the heart of his soul. Your will in this is not correct, is not right in this in the sight of God. 22, what did he tell him to do? Repent. Man, you better repent. You better get this fixed, man. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness. Trying to function in a gift God didn't give you is considered wickedness. And pray God if perhaps... The thought of your heart may be forgiven you. If perhaps that the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. 23, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by inequity. Now, the context of the phrase here, poisoned by bitterness and bound by inequity, simply means you're focused on yourself here. You're focused on yourself. When somebody gets a root of bitterness in them, I'm going to tell you why. Why Why does somebody get a root of bitterness in them? Why do they get a root of bitterness in them? Why do they get a root of bitterness in them? They're focused on themselves. Why will they not forgive? They're focused on themselves. Because they're totally focused on themselves, they'll get bitter when they're wronged because they won't forgive. They don't feel they should have to because they're focused on themselves. So he says, you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by inequity. Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So he realizes now all of a sudden, "Uh uh-oh, I've made a mistake, man. Please pray that God would forgive me for this. So again, on your notes, number five, never, ever exert any personal effort. In this case, he was trying to buy uh, you know, the, this ability. Never exert any personal effort to flow in a gift that has not been given to you. This could literally cost you everything. So here's the balance. We need to know the gifts God gave us. Amen. You listening? Amen. We need to know the gifts God gave us. We need to have confirmation that, the, the, that there's truly, uh, these are truly the gifts God gave me. But we should not then try to go beyond what we're not gifted to do and want to function in those gifts. More people of the gifts we're going to talk about tonight. The, the primary gifts that more people have gotten in trouble trying to function that they're not called to is the gifts that Jesus gives. The five-fold ministry gifts. The, the gifts of the Spirit, we're to covet all of those, Bible says. God wants us to function those anytime the Holy Spirit needs to use us to minister to other people, to help other people. But the five-fold ministry gifts is, is truly the ones that tend to be the most coveted by believers in many cases. 
and get people in trouble because if you're not gifted to be in the fivefold ministry, you're not just going to hurt yourself, you're going to hurt other people. And understand this, a lot of people may have good intentions with the wanting to be in the fivefold ministry. But if God didn't gift you, you're trying to function in something God did not enable you to do. That's going to get you in trouble with God. I want you to turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll tell you this little story. I remember years ago after we first got hooked up with Dr. Barclay, uh, we were going through a really challenging time with our church. We were back in Roanoke. And as we were going through this challenging time, I'm still, you know, not real young, but I'm still fairly young as a pastor, clearly. And uh, thanking God now that I have a pastor in my life, as a leader in my life. And I was so frustrated with everything going on. I was like, you know what, Lord? I would be so much happier in life to just pack up my bags, go to Midland, Michigan, and serve my pastor for the rest of my life. I love my pastor. I'll do anything to help him. Would love to serve him. Would love to help his ministry. I'm a great helper. I love to help people. I love to help ministers. Anybody around here knows me knows I love to help ministers. That's why we connect with ministers because I love to help ministers. I just absolutely, especially senior ministers. It frustrates me to see senior ministers of who almost nobody wants to reach out and help. Especially those who have proven themselves for so many years. So, uh, so I was literally praying about this and I called pastor and I said, now pastor, at that time, uh, Ray Bench was actually his, uh, uh, right hand man doing all of his, you know, travel stuff for him and everything. And, and Ray was thinking and considering about stepping aside, going full time in the teaching ministry that God had called him to confirmed by pastor Barclay. And so I'm talking to him on the phone and I said, pastor, you know, would it be better <laughs> if I just let... This church, you know, shut down, go by the wayside or, you know, do whatever. Uh, if God wants to bring somebody else, wouldn't it be better off if I just came and served you in that, in that setting? Because I love you. I, I, I love being around you. I love your ministry. And he said, and I love you as well as a son. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if I could come and serve you in that capacity? He said it would to a degree, but he said we have a problem. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, you would be out of the will of God. And you know, therefore, I would be out of the will of God. And therefore, we'd both be in trouble with God. Because you know you're called to pastor. So sure, we could do that. We could shut your church down or do whatever. I could hire you, bring you in here. But you know what? You're going to hurt me. I'm going to hurt you because you're not functioning where God called you. It goes both ways. So understand that you got to know, if I've not been called to that position, I'm going to get in trouble. If I have been and I don't serve, I'm not going to function in full, the fullness of what God has for my life either. Yeah. Number six, though all the gifts come from God. All the gifts we're going to talk about here in a minute come from God. Listen, underline it. They all have a specific purpose on the earth. We need to understand that all these gifts have a specific purpose on the earth. So we're back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but we're going to go down here to verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. We looked at verse 1 a minute ago. Look at verse 4. You with me? Yes, there are diversities of gifts. All different kinds. But they come from the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but it is the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God. Who works all in all. All in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of what? All. These gifts are really not given for my profit, the gifts of God that I've been given. They're not to profit me. They're to do what? Profit others. 
They're to help others. And that's one of the things we got to be reminded about, about the gifts of God, is our purpose and one of functioning in these gifts is to do what? Profit others for the profit of all. Did Simon want to function in that gift for his profit? Yeah. yeah. But did he want to profit others? No. Really? No. The focus was himself. So 6A on your notes. So the first thing he talks about in these verses here, he refers to gifts or what we would call endowments. Right there in verse 4. Notice in verse 4, there are diversities of what? Gifts or endowments. There's another word for that. Gifts or endowments, but it's the same spirit that gives them. So number 6A, these gifts or endowments are referring to the fivefold ministry. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We'll go through these in more detail in just a minute. The second thing he talks about in verse 5, he says there's differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So ministries here, would, another word for that would be administrations. There's different types of ministries, if you want to say it that way. So if you notice on the back of your notes, 6B, different types of ministries would include what? Examples. Mark Barclay Ministries, Terry Mize Ministries, Pro Rodeo Ministries. God raises up different types of ministries. <clears throat> pro, rodeos, uh, pro Rodeo Ministries primary function? Primary call? We're not talking about churches here. We're talking about different types of ministries. Yes. yes, we are. Ministry is a church, but God basically has a primary calling for all the church to raise up disciples. Yes. But you got to understand, Mark Barclay Ministries, you know what his primary calling is? Prepare people for the last days and be a leader to leaders. That's his primary calling. If you look at Terry Mize Ministries, his primary calling was to go take living bread to dying people around the world. That's not my calling. That was Terry Mize's calling. If you look at Pro Rodeo Ministries, what was Coy's primary calling? The Western world and to the degree they want them to go beyond, beyond. But his primary calling all of his life has been to the Western world. He, he has spent the majority of his life reaching the Western world and still hasn't reached it all. So the context of verse 5, differences of ministries is talking about different types of. You clear on that? Yes. Different types of ministries because there's all different types of ministries in the earth. The last one there in verse 7, there is also what? There are also, uh, excuse me, verse 6, there are also diversities of what? Activities, which you could call C, operations. Mm -hmm. Operations, things God has specifically called for ministries to do. So there are different ministries, but there are different operations with those ministries. Mark Barclay Ministries does not have the same calling as Kenneth Hagin Ministries. You understand that? I'll share with something that will help you understand that a little better in just a minute. But look at your notes. See, so there are different, again, activities or operations. So in the case of Dr. Barclay, he had a word from God years ago in ministry school. Prepare my people for my coming. Why do you think he deals with so much about sin and living right? And all? I'll tell you why. He's trying to prepare people for the return of the Lord. That's his primary calling. If you look at almost all that he gets prophetically, it's all about the Lord's return. It's all about what's coming down the pike. Brother Hagen, guess what his primary calling was? Go teach my people faith. Boy, did he do that. And you could exhaust, and he did. He exhausted a lifetime trying to teach people faith and never exhausted everything about faith. Right? Now, Brother Osborne, if you don't know Brother Osborne, who was a great, great man of God, great missionary. I mean, this guy was like, if you know Reinhard Bonnke, if you know that name, 
You know, uh, Brother Osborne was very much like Reinhard Bonnke back in his day. Him and his wife, they traveled all over taking healing to the nations. God used them in a healing miracle ministry in the nation, other nations where they went. Massive crusades. Massive thousands and thousands of people and thousands of healings as they went and honored God and obeyed God. Now, what if Brother Osborne would have tried to gone and therefore fulfilled the role of a pastor? He would have been out of his calling. Brother Barclay, Pastor Barclay has as a part of his calling, he has a calling to be a pastor to his church and his congregation. He knows that. But his primary function in operation of activities is preparing people for his coming, which includes his church. D, the final part is found in verse 7, which is the manifestations of the Spirit. And these are the manifested presence of the person of the Holy Spirit, known as the nine gifts of the Spirit. The nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Go back through with me, please. So if you look at number four, uh, excuse me, look at verse four, there are diversities of what? Gifts. So this means different forms of endowments, all enabled by the Spirit of God, which are referring to the fivefold ministry. Verse five, there are differences of ministries or administrations, different things ministries do. And we gave some examples there as to how obviously God calls different ministries into function. And therefore, those ministries, verse 6, will have diversities of what? Activities. They're not all called to do the same thing. They have to know what their calling is and functioning in the, function in that calling. And then finally, D, different manifestations of the Spirit. These are the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit of which all believers are to, are to function in to some degree. God wants to use us all in those. Amen? So the rest of tonight, we're going to get to go through all of these gifts on the bottom part of your page on number seven. We're going to cover all these gifts from the Father, all these gifts from the Son, and all these gifts from the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to put a marker here, because we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians 12 in just a minute to see these gifts, we're going to go back over here to, Rev, uh, to a Romans 12 again. Or we're, not, we're going to go for the first time, excuse me, to Romans 12. We're in... Uh, a uh, different set of Romans earlier. Romans 12. If you turn to Romans chapter 12, we're going to touch on the first gifts, which are the gifts of the Father. Say gifts of the Father. Gifts of the Father. Number seven, the gifts of God, again, have been given to us by all three members of the Godhead. A, there are three categories of gifts. There are seven gifts from the Father. There are five gifts from the Son. And there are nine gifts from the Holy Spirit. Three different categories. So let's look at the seven gifts that God the Father has given to the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, verses 6, 7, and 8. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace or enablement that is given to us, let us use them. Let us use these gifts. If prophecy, we'll cover these in detail, a little bit of detail in just a minute on your notes. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it as in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, do it with diligence. He who shows mercy, do so with cheerfulness. So these are the seven gifts of the Father. On your notes, if you'll take a note of this, on your notes there, under 7a, all right, under seven gifts of the Father, number one, prophecy is referring to anointed preaching. Anointed preaching. Yes, we have the fivefold ministry gifts from Jesus, but the, the, the phrase prophecy here is not to prophesy. This word prophecy literally means, if you look it up, anointed preaching. 
God's given us anointed preaching to help us to understand and walk in the light of his word for our life. And he does that through the five gifts that Jesus gave us of the fivefold ministry. Number two, the second gift you see there in verse six after prophecy in verse, excuse me, verse seven is the gift of ministry. What is that? On your notes, number two, ministry means to be a servant or in other words, uh, uh, refers to deaconship or being like a deacon in the house of God. So if you go back to the book of Acts, when all of a sudden the body began to grow, there's a, a term that's used there that we need you to, we're, we're no longer, the Bible says this, we're no longer as the ones who are called to teach the word, to leave the word of God in prayer and serve tables. The word serve there is diakonos, and it means to become a servant or a deacon. We're not to become deacons. We're called to be those gifted by God to prophesy, to do what? Teach you the word of God. We're anointed to teach you the word of God. The more you can keep your pastor under his calling, the more you're going to get out of, of your pastor from God. The more your pastor has to shift over to deaconship and serving, the less you're going to get out of your pastor because that's not his primary calling. Now, all fivefold ministries to some degree are going to do some hands-on work. Even pastor does. But I'm just telling you, that's not our primary calling. Amen. And that's why in the book of Acts, it tells us very clearly there, as the church began to grow, the, the, the apostles, the initial teachers of the word of God, said, we cannot leave again prayer and the word. We got to stay in prayer with God and stay in the word of God to minister. That actual term there, it's, it's kind of neat, unique because it says, we're not to leave the word of God, uh, excuse me, we're not to leave prayer and the ministry of the word is how it's, is how it's worded. We're not to leave prayer, communication with God, and the ministry of the word. Now, the word ministry there means to serve you with the word. Amen. What's the purpose of the anointed minister? To serve you with the word. Amen. We're not to leave that and go over here and serve in the natural on the basic hand things that need to be done in the church. And in this case, at that time, the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of what they had need of in the church. Those that were the Bible defines what are true widows. Not everybody's a true widow. Just because you're widowed doesn't mean... So those who are truly widows based on Scripture, the Bible clearly tells us there are some that the church is to care for based on the fact that biblically they qualify as a true widow. Those who do, the church is to help take care of them. And in their day, they were being neglected in the daily distribution of food that was to go to them to provide for their needs. So the disciples were saying, as the apostles, the one who were under Jesus now teaching the word, we're not to leave serving you the word to go serve them food. Right. I'm not to leave. I've said it before. And honestly, I've almost done all this in a service before, believe it or not. But can you imagine from start to end of the service, what if I have to turn the sound system on? What if I have to get everything on the sound system set up? Run up here and practice worship because I'm leading worship. Get all that ready and then obviously get everything ready to go for you by getting envelopes ready, getting all the chairs arranged, getting all the, the, the facilities ready to go and cleaned up and ready. I've done it before. I have done it. But I mean, think about the context of what a minister is going to do in relationship to trying to help you when he's got to do all these other things. I've stood received the offering before. Had no washer to do it. So you got to understand this context of ministry gift, second gift from the Father is a gift to serve. And almost everybody in the body, obviously in some sense, is going to be a servant. Doesn't mean they're going to be recognized in the term of a deacon that the Bible talks about. But how many know we're all called to serve in the church? 
So those, again, who have the ability to serve in the context of their gifts in the church, they're to use it and to do what? Use it in their ministering or in their serving. In their serving. So number two, ministry is referring to those who are here to serve. Number three, obviously another gift from the Father found here uh, in the bottom of verse 7, teaching. Teaching. I thank God for the teaching gift on Brandy Grimes. I thank God for the teaching gift on people like Matt and on people like Charlie. I thank God for that teaching gift because you know what? If I'm going to fill my calling God, there's going to be times that I won't always be here. I do have a call on my life to help others as well and minister other places. What if I didn't have those teaching gifts here? That doesn't make them five-fold ministry. You know, me and Matt have talked about this many times. Matt's really not called to five-fold ministry. Matt has a ministry to teach, has a ministry to help people. I believe he's really gifted as our youth minister to serve in ministry in the youth. That's not a five-fold minister. There is no quote-unquote youth pastor, honestly, in the Bible. Can't find it. You can be a minister to the youth. We may call them the youth pastor. But the truth is, it's not the same gift as what I have. Are you listening? Who is your youth pastor? I am. I'm your youth pastor. Who's your kid's pastor? I am. I am. God didn't call us to have multiple pastors. Anything with two heads is a freak. There's only one pastor. Kathy's not even, don't want to be. Kathy doesn't want you to labor over the pastor. She's not a pastor. There's no place in the Bible that you see multiple pastors serving in a church because that gets confusing. Who do I actually listen to? Who do I go to? Who do I follow? Who do I listen to in relationship to questions about life? So you got to understand this in relationship to what it's talking about, about a teacher that thank God we need them. I said, we need them. There are people gifted to teach the Word of God. We have to be careful, these people. I've talked to Charlie about it many times. Charlie knows part of his reason to come in here. Initially, his main reason to come in here is not to teach the Word. His reason to come in here is because he knows I'm his pastor. He's in his church with a minister who, by his own admission, has said over and over and over again, I'm called to be an evangelist. Then what are you doing pastoring? And I love him, but he's not a gifted teacher. They don't get taught the Word. He was learning more through me than what he was through his shepherd, which really wasn't a shepherd. And so years ago, he knew that this is where he was supposed to be because he knew as we connected in heart, as Scripture teaches, I'm called to be a shepherd. But that teaching gift in our church is going to help immensely. You know why? Guess what else you need teaching gifts within the church for? I thank God for the teaching gift on Kerry Goodman. I thank God for the teaching gift on Donna Wade. I thank God for the teaching gift on these children's ministers, Tamara Hines. They're just as important because if you think teaching those kids is any less important, you're wrong. They're the most impressionable in their time of life as a kid. They need to be taught the Word of God. Now, you parents have that responsibility. We are not really responsible to do that. We're here to supplement what you do. But obviously, in case of families coming in that maybe don't teach their kids the Word of God, at least we can help them. But we need these giftings in the body because without what am I going to do? Run back and give five minutes to treasure hunters? And then run over and give five minutes to King's kids? How about trying to go back and forth between the youth tonight? You listening? So we need these teaching gifts. They're critical in the body. They're critical. But more than just these times frames of of what we need, what we need also, which we're going to see functioning in our new church, we need the ability of teachers to be able to help out in marriages, to teach people how to be a husband, teach people how to be a wife. You need a gift to be able to teach people that. Are you still here? So these teaching gifts are one of the most significant gifts within the body, but you can't just teach the word because you want to. Again, you need to be called to it. You don't want a desire to be that because you are going to stand a stricter judgment. That's right. 
just like me. The fourth gift is exhortation. The reason I'm laboring on this is because for Kathy, for years, she kept trying to be a teacher in the pulpit. She kept trying to emulate me. She would see what I would do. She would try to do what I would do. She'd get frustrated. I said, Kathy, you're an exhorter. You're a great exhorter. You know what an exhorter is? It's not a line upon line teacher. They're still bringing you the, the word of God. It has to be based on the word of God. But you know what they're doing? They're just exhorting you in scripture. They're exhorting you, encouraging you on, spurring you on in scripture as to what the Bible says. And by the way, there are also a need of gifted exhorters in the body. Because you get a lot of teaching. And I used to tell her this and she would get frustrated. She did it anymore years ago. She would get frustrated trying to teach, you know. And she's just like, man, I can't do this. I can't do this. I've tried to do this. I can't do this. I said, Kathy, you're trying to function in a gift God didn't call you to. You're not called to be a teacher. Just exhort. Just exhort. Now, exhorter just really kind of speaks from their heart the things of God. And so finally, we were at lunch one day with, uh, with uh, actually in this case, it was actually with Terry Mize. And we were talking about it. And Terry Mize looked at her and he said, you, I can tell you by God, you have the gift of an exhorter. Now I'll obey that gift. And that set her free. Yeah. Set her free. Amen. Don't know why. She's streaming tonight. She didn't hear that from her husband. But thank God she heard it from her spiritual dad. Set her free. I'm glad she got it. And she got it and it totally changed the way. Now all of a sudden, she's not under pressure anymore. Yeah. She's not under pressure anymore. And so notice how different all of a sudden she is to now get up on a Sunday morning. What's she doing on Sunday morning? She's exhorting you. That's the gift of an exhorter. It's not a teacher. It can sound similar, but it's really just the gift of an exhorter. We need them. I said we need them. Gifts of the Father. Number five, giving. Are we all supposed to give? Absolutely. But this is talking about people who are so excited about giving, want to give, love to give. You ready? They encourage others to give. They spur others on in giving. So this is critical. You see this in the New Testament where some people like this clearly obviously were gifted to give. They love to give. They want to give and they encourage others in doing so. The next one, number six, how about leadership? Gift from the Father. Gift of what from the Father? Leadership. Say leadership. So again, don't notice this down here in verse 8. He who exhorts with exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence. So leaders here in this context is not really, although I'm included to some degree, but it's not focusing as much on me as we're talking about what about the leader over the ushers? What about the leader over the sound team? What about the leader over children's ministry? These are critical people. Because again, if I have to go by, by a personal touch, if I have to go train everybody in the sound booth, if I have to train everybody on the worship team, if I have to train all the nursery caregivers, if I have to train all, train all the kids teachers, if I have to train, train all the ushers, any idea how we are not going to be able to function the way God wants us to? Because I'm the one having to do all that? No, you've got to rely on people who will step up and take a position of, of challenge to say, uh, Pastor, I can train those people. Right. I, can, I can raise up those people. I can help those people be raised up in the call of God where they're called to. That's a gift of leadership to lead others in an example of what you're called to do. Amen. The last one, mercy. Now, again, we're all called to show mercy. I said we're all called to show mercy. We're supposed to show mercy to everybody, correct? But notice in the bottom of verse 8, He who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. There are certain people that are absolutely awesomely gifted by God to just show how much God truly cares about them and loves them. In the context of mercy, what's that mean? Mercy means you ain't going to get what you deserve. 
And there are people that are so good, so good at being able to love on people and show people the mercy of God. And they need to flow in that gift. They need to flow in that ability. And obviously extend it beyond just a handful of people and show it to everybody they can. And they need to do so. They need to do it with what? Cheerfulness. Be excited about it. Be glad that they get to do it. Amen? Amen. So these are the seven gifts of the Father. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. We need to scoot along here. I need to kind of get through these other gifts a little quicker. Ephesians chapter 4. So let's go look at the gifts of Jesus. Do you understand those now? Yes, sir. Is there any confusion on those gifts as to what they are? Yes, nope. Everybody's good? Ephesians chapter 4. So these are very well known in our church, which are known as the fivefold ministry gifts. Chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 of Ephesians. Therefore, he says, God said, when he ascended on high, Jesus, he led captivity captive and he did what? Underline it. So he gave his gifts to men. When Jesus ascended into heaven, what did he do? He gave gifts to men. Because this is talking about verse 8. It's talking about when Jesus ascended to heaven. Leading captivity captive. What does it mean he led captivity captive? He took those who were in hell. And he said, guess, or excuse me, who were in paradise, sorry, in the center of the earth. And he said, guess what, boys and girls, we're going out of here. Because I'm about to be raised up from the dead on the third day and you're going with me. So that was leading captivity out of the, those in captivity out of being captive. And in doing so, as he ascended to heaven, what did he do? He gave gifts to men. Amen. Verse 9 says that this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first what? He first clearly, as we know, he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who what? Then ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things in all. Now notice this. Verse 11, he himself gave. So what did he give? Verse 8, he gave gifts. So here's those gifts. Verse 11, he gave some to be, say some. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now this phrase, teachers, this gift is different from the Father's gift. The Father's gift of a teacher functions within the body to help the church body. This gift of a teacher is is a brother Hagen is a brother Sutton who has a full-time traveling ministry gift to go teach the Word of God. So it's different. It's not the same as the Father's gift. Similar in a sense, they both teach the Word, but one is a full-time minister, fivefold. In the case of kids' teachers, they're not full-time ministers, but they're just as anointed. I said they're just as anointed. So there's a difference between the teaching gift of the Father. The teaching gift of the Father is not a five-fold ministry gift. But the teaching gift of Jesus is. What are they for? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints. So that would be us. For the equipping of the saints. For the what? To do the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. When's that going to happen? When Jesus comes back. How long are we going to have the fivefold ministry? Till Jesus comes back. <clears throat> We're going to do this. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, we'll see Him. We'll know Him for who He's known. We'll become a perfect man to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. Why? Because if you're here when He returns and it happens, your body's going to be instantly transformed. You'll be perfect. 14, that we should no longer therefore be what? We should no longer be children, immature believers, tossed to and fro, about, carried about by every wind of doctrine, every form of teaching by the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. 
But these leaders are to speak the truth in love so that you can grow up into all things into him who's the head, Christ. Guess what? You can't fully grow up as a believer without the fivefold ministry. Thus saith the Bible. And therefore, if you don't have a shepherd, you don't have the primary gift to help you. All those other fivefold ministry gifts, we bring in the pulpit. You don't have to go find them. We bring them to you. I'm responsible to bring them to you. I'm responsible to bring to you traveling teachers, Johnny Rowlett. I'm responsible to bring to you prophets, Dr. Mark Barclay. I'm responsible to bring to you apostles, Terry Mize. I'm responsible to bring these other gifts, evangelists, Tim Grisham. I'm responsible to bring these other gifts to you because you can't fully mature without these fivefold ministry gifts speaking into your life. Amen? Notice verse 16, from whom, from Christ, the whole body, every one of us are joined in it together by what every joint supplies, every one of us functioning as God called us to function, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing what? Growth of the body and edifying of itself in love. When the body starts functioning in their call of God and the ability God gave them, as the fivefold ministry trains them up, it helps grow the body. Because if you function in the gifts of the Spirit, you're out there touching people supernaturally, and that's helping people open their eyes to God. So on your notes, under number 7A, under the five gifts of the Son, they are one apostle. Say apostle. Apostle, the word apostle means a sent one. Now, we would call him a missionary today. It's a term for missionary. Because the sent one here doesn't mean they're called the pastor. Do they have to pastor at times? Yes. Paul went to Corinth and he birthed a church there and he stayed there over a year. Why? They don't have a pastor. So he has to pastor them until he can raise up a pastor to take over the church. So oftentimes when an apostle goes and starts a new work, they may have to pastor for a time because God didn't call them just to go get born again and then leave them. So most of the time you'll see in the book of Acts where Paul went somewhere where the gospel was preached for the first time and people got born again. They didn't leave. They stayed there as much as two years at a time until he finally had a pastor to pastor them. So an apostle is a sent one or basically what we would call a, a missionary. Two, the, then we have the prophet uh, uh, gift of the fivefold ministry, which is an oracle of God's heart. Those who are going to speak to us and reveal to us things God, again, wants us to know about, prepare for, in relationship to things that we know are coming in the last days, etc. Three, the evangelist is one who is, a, is a heralding the good news. They can't hardly live a day on the planet without trying to evangelize somebody. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. But these are people, that's all that they think about. It's all they can think about. And then four... Under the five gifts of the Son is the pastor, which is the feeder of the flock. The primary feeder of the flock is the pastor. You want to put a note next to that, put down Jeremiah 3.15. Off to the side of pastor, put down Jeremiah 3.15. God, the Lord God said in Jeremiah 3.15, referring to when Jesus would come, I will give you shepherds. They will feed you with knowledge and understanding. What's the primary function of my pastor's uh, purpose in my life? To feed you with knowledge and understanding. I thought it was to counsel me for hours and hours and hours and hours. No, it's to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Not that he won't counsel if you need it, but if you come and get the feeding, you'll probably need a little counseling. It's amazing how many people come for counseling, and I think about, yeah, were you here a few weeks ago? No, I just taught on this. We just went over this whole subject. 
Uh, number five, then, of course, we have the full-time gift of the teacher who is a tutor or an instructor of the Word, and they do it full-time. So if you go back to Brother Hagin's day, Brother Hagin found out he wasn't called to pastor. He was called to be a teacher. And again, he was to do what? Teach God's people faith. Dr. Sutton, who was one of our spiritual dads, did pastor early on. A lot of people back then didn't know about the full functioning of the fivefold ministry. So they really felt in their day early on, you were called to do one or two things, pastor or an evangelist. They didn't understand the, full, the fivefold ministry like we do. So they figured, well, I'm either to evangelize or I'm to pastor. And oftentimes in the case of their pastoring, they found out as Brother Sutton found out, I didn't call you to pastor. I called you to teach my people about end times. And that man did, studied it for 65 years. That was his primary calling. All right, back to 1 Corinthians 12 in closing tonight. Say glory to God. Now we have what? Now we have the nine gifts, the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. These manifestation gifts are for the whole body. These are for the whole body. In the context of the gifts of the Father, not everybody's going to be called to be an anointed preacher or quote-unquote a teacher in the body of Christ or maybe an exhorter, but guaranteed, understand again, we're all given the gifts of the Holy Spirit to function these gifts as the Spirit wills. The fivefold ministry gifts, the key about the fivefold ministry gifts, you should never want to function in a fivefold ministry gift in which another fivefold ministry over you, primarily pastor, sees that gift on your life. Because without him, all through the Bible, it's clear. Those who were called into these fivefold ministry gifts, those that were in fivefold ministry above them, recognized those gifts. And that's critical for us to walk out what God has for our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you're there, say amen. amen. So now we're going down to verse 7 here again. We're going to go from 7 on down to 11. Here are the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The manifestation of the Spirit. So these are gifts that the Holy Spirit himself will manifest or he is in manifestation. They are given to what? Tell me out loud, they are given to what? Each one. Each one. Everybody has the ability. To function in these gifts. They're given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. That's not the same kind of faith Romans 12.3 talks about. This is called the gift of faith or supernatural faith. So to another, because this is coming by the Holy Spirit. To another uh, uh, faith. To another gifts of healings. By the same Spirit. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, underline it, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we don't decide, I want to operate in words of wisdom. No. See, again, you're trying to function in a gift based on what you want to do. You become obedient to submit to God, be willing to let Him use you, learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit, and these gifts will manifest. I saw the gift of faith. To see somebody raised from the dead, you got to have three gifts in almost every situation to see somebody raised from the dead. If they're dead, they're going to need a miracle of some kind in their body. And also, therefore, a healing. And so clearly, I operate, I saw this one time, the gift of faith came on me, didn't even realize what I was doing. I'm running across the arena to go after this guy. Didn't even think about it. 
Gift of faith, I mean, this is, this, I can't describe it. It's not like, ooh, I want to go do this. It's just like, man, I was compelled. I got to get to this guy. And then, as I was praying for him, all of a sudden, the gift of the working of miracles manifest as the power of God hit him, and then the gift of healing because his body that had been damaged was instantly healed. And he was raised from the dead. So you almost always have to see all three of those gifts function for somebody to be raised from the dead. If you go around telling God, I want to raise people from the dead, he ain't going to use you. But if you just say, God, I just want to be used. I desire to function in the gifts that you have given us by the Holy Spirit for the profit of everybody else, not my profit, but to help other people. He'll use you. So let's look at a couple things with these gifts real quick, okay? On the bottom of your page, nine gifts of, of the Holy Spirit. I want you to do two things. I'll give you a quick definition of each one. But before I do that, I'm going to show you. I want you to categorize them. Okay? One, two, and three. I want you to combine those. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. These are revelatory gifts. They reveal something. They all reveal something. Word of wisdom reveals something. Word of knowledge reveals something. Discerning of spirits reveals something. Then you have the gifts of healings, working of miracles, special faith. Combine those three or, or put a little, you know, a little uh, something to tie those three together. The gifts of healings, the working of miracles, special faith. These are what are known as the gifts that do something. The first three reveal. The next three do something. These are gifts that actually function in doing something. Healing, miracles, special faith. Special faith always combines with miracles. Yeah, right. And then finally, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. These all say something. These all say something. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation. They're speaking, they're saying something. Words of wisdom, knowledge, discerning of spirits, revealing. Gifts of healings, working miracles, faith, doing. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, saying. Speaking. Let's go through them. What's a word of wisdom? So word of wisdom, again, this is not something that comes up in your head and your brain comes out of your spirit. Because they're all coming by the Holy Spirit. Obviously bearing witness with your spirit. A word of wisdom has to do with something of a future event. Future tense. Word of wisdom is not now current, nor has it already happened. A word of wisdom is something that's going to happen. That's a word of wisdom. It's always future tense. Always future tense. A word of knowledge is present or past tense. Present or past tense. I discern by the Spirit of God through a word of knowledge, this has happened to you in the past. Yes, it is. How would you know that? Holy Spirit revealed it to me. That's a word of knowledge. Always present or past. The purpose isn't, quote unquote, to get them listening to you. The purpose is to get them open to hear from God. That they know clearly you couldn't have known this. God must have revealed it to you. Now demons can function in a way that they actually look like they're giving a word of knowledge. But that's called familiar spirits. That simply hang around people and see things that happen. And they actually use other people to talk about what happened. That doesn't always mean it's from God. But a believer functioning in this gift is obviously hearing from the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you wouldn't know it. Then there's the discerning of spirits, the ability to be able to see into the spirit realm and to actually discern different types of spirits, both good and evil. Good and evil. Not just uh, evil spirits, but obviously we have angelic spirits as well, angels. And so they can see those spirits. So these all reveal something. Say they reveal something. 
Then we have the gifts of healings. Very clear. What are the gifts of healings? Obviously a manifestation of God's healing power. When the gift of healing is in operation, guess what the other individual that God's using you to help them with doesn't need? They don't need faith. Gifts of healing. When, when I prayed for that man, his body was crushed. When I prayed for that man, his body got totally healed. He's unconscious. He's exercising no faith for that whatsoever. When the gifts of healings manifest, it's God choosing to do it on his own. And you don't have to have any faith. That other person doesn't have to have any faith in God at all. God just chooses to manifest his healing power. Amen. That's the gift of healing. Amen. Amen. And it says healings because it could be any type of healing needed. Working of miracles is anything to do with an encounter in the natural that had to come from the supernatural, meaning like raising the dead. You can't raise somebody in the natural. But in the spirit realm, the power of God can come into the natural realm, that person's natural body, and do what? Do a miracle. That's the working of miracles. And a working of miracle could include what? Remember when Jesus told the man in, in the... Uh, in the, in the synagogue, who had a withered hand, stretch out your hand. What happened when he stretched out his hand? Because it was withered. What happened when he stretched out his hand? It grew out. It grew out. I mean, that's a miracle. His, his hand's natural. The Spirit of God, the power of God, comes into that hand, and it allows a supernatural work to change the natural. That's a working of a miracle. That's not a healing. That's a miracle. So these are working of miracles. And, number six, special faith. So special faith is not normal faith. Special faith isn't something you conjure up, you pray up, you fast and pray and get. No, if God needs to use you in the area of a miracle, guess what's going to manifest before the miracle? Special faith. Special faith. As an example, as it relates to any aspect of what you do in the case of a miracle, in aspects of seeing a miracle happen, I'll guarantee you what, you're not even thinking about it. You're just functioning as God's directing you, and there's a faith in you that's operating. You're not even hesitant to even think about what happens if. When I ran to pray for that guy, nothing of my mind allowed me to even stop and think, what if nothing happens? I really didn't know what I was going to do before I got there. I'm just running across the arena. He's laying out on, on the arena floor after a bull had, jumped, had gone up and come down and landed on him and crushed him. I'm just laying over there praying over him knowing that I'm just obeying God. Yes. I can't describe it. It's not like God said, go do this. I can't describe how special faith works. You just go do what God told you to do. Wigglesworth one time was asked to come to a person's house where the person was dead. Now I guarantee you, just because somebody's dead doesn't mean you can raise them from the dead. If God doesn't manifest the gift of faith and working of miracles in you, you're not going to raise them from the dead. You listening? You got to have the gift of faith manifest. You got to know it's God. But he knew it was, he said, yep, let's go right now. So he went. And when they got there, his daughter was with him. And he goes up to the upper room where this person was actually laying on a bed dead. And you know what he did? See, this is what faith will make you. This isn't like I couldn't have done that. No, you wouldn't have if faith, special faith wouldn't have been on you. He did what he did because special faith was on him. I'll guarantee you, he wasn't even thinking about what he did. Just like me that day, I wouldn't even think about what he did. He grabs the guy, he pulls him up off the bed, and he throws him up against the wall, and he says, live in Jesus' name. And the guy hit the wall, and he fell down on the ground. He's dead. He picks him up a second time, and he throws him up against the wall again, and the same thing. And he picks him up a third time. He said, live in Jesus' name. And when he hit the wall, he came to life. Now, let me help you. Don't go around and try to find a dead person and throw them up against the wall and think it's going to work. 
if special faith comes on you, you'll function in a faith that you didn't have, not even realizing what you're doing. So you can't manifest special faith. It's as the Spirit wills. It says the Spirit wills. Amen? So understand clearly that special faith is going to combine with the working of miracles. Last but not least, the final three, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. So let's talk about this gift of prophecy here. It's important because the gift of prophecy, according to the book of Corinthians, is a gift that we can all function in. Every believer, the Bible says, can function in this gift. What is this gift of prophecy? You ready? Write it down next to your, next to your definition so you have it in your notes. Words of exhortation, edification, and comfort to men. That's this gift of prophecy. The actual better term to state what this gift is is simple prophecy. Simple prophecy. It's not a word of wisdom. Not knowing of something of the future. It's not a word of knowledge. It's not anything of knowing of the individual. It's you letting God use you to do what? Exhort somebody, yes. encourage them, exhortation, edification, and comfort. If what somebody said to you in the context of saying, I really feel like the Lord told me to tell you something, and it did not exhort you, lift you up, right. edify you, build you up, or comfort you, it wasn't from God. Because simple prophecy does one of three things. It exhorts you. It does not correct you. It exhorts you. Yes. Spurs you on. To, you can make it. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God. I'm going to tell you right now. You can make it. Praise God. You're going to get through this. God's going to help you. I just, the Lord just emphasized to me to tell you. You're going to make it. Don't you quit. That's exhortation. Edification. You build them up. You're bigger than this. You're a child of God. Rise up to who God called you to be. Or comfort. Let me tell you what God showed me about obviously clearly how much he loves you and how much he cares about you. I know you're going through a tough time, but God wants you to know he hadn't left you. Amen. See, it'll bring comfort. So if it's not one of those three things, it's not this gift of simple prophecy. Amen. Amen. And that's why everybody can do it because the truth is who couldn't honor God and listen to the Holy Spirit and give a word that would exhort somebody, edify somebody, or comfort them. Amen. Amen. Now, tongues has to work here with interpretation of tongues. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. If you read this later, which we don't have time, this is referring to the fact that a tongue is given and then an interpretation follows. This is not talking about the ability to just pray in the Holy Spirit like we all can once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's not what this is talking about. If you go further down here in this context of these verses, it will tell you that it's a form of tongue that you, how many, this is a function, this is a, a, a gift that I function in quite a bit in this church. Where God, I know, has a word for our church, something to say to the church. And I know it by clearly the Holy Spirit wants to speak through me. And so I will stop and I'll begin to speak in tongues. I'll tell you, pray in tongues. And I'll speak in tongues. And as I do, all of a sudden, God begins to, in my spirit, oftentimes give the interpretation. But he can do it through more than one person. Many people have learned to function together as husband and wife or ministry teams in context of a couple different ministers where one is used to being used in giving a tongue in the context. It's not you just wanting to pray in tongues. It's like if I don't give this, yeah. if I don't speak it, it's just going to burst out of me. Right. And it would never be done out of order in a service. It would never be done out of... This tongues interpretation tongues isn't really for out in the world because you're going to freak people out. Because tongues and interpretation tongues, guess what they equal? Guess what they equal? Back to the first one, simple prophecy. 
if it's a tongue or an interpretation of tongues in relationship to what we see of this gift of the Spirit, it will bring exhortation, edification, or comfort. So some may not be as understanding of how to function in simple prophecy, but they can truly walk in obedience to an utterance, an urgency to give an utterance in a service, and therefore somebody else give the interpretation. Which is going to bring about, how do we know if somebody in the church during the service gave a tongue, how many know I'm supposed to be able to interpret that? So if nobody else does, there has to be an interpreter present, somebody that knows how to hear from God. And clearly if I know and give the interpretation of it in relationship to what obviously that person spoke, that means it was of God because it will be a word of exhortation, edification, or comfort. But if I don't sense any interpretation of that word, guess what? We had a very zealous believer, thankfully wanting to be used by God. It just wasn't God at the time. It can happen. Can I get a better amen? So these are the gifts of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You ready for this? The first six are primarily to be used out there in the world. Where do we need words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning spirits, gifts of healings, workings, miracles, special faith out there in the world? We need to function out there to touch people's lives with the power and the glory of God to help people know God really does know about them. God does care about them. Amen? Amen. So it opens their heart to the gospel. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues is primarily needed in the church because most people that are sinners wouldn't receive it. Believers will. So these are primarily gifts to function in the church. Amen. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.